0: Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the Silent Assassin, Matt Costa. It's just the two of us tonight. Just the two of us. You can sing along if you want, because ah, I turned your microphone on. You don't. You but don't. which microphone? Oh, look. Yeah, see, look. Well, because it had a big number four on it. Ah. So I figured it out. It was able to uh, jump out there at me. This, these headphones sound weird. I haven't worn these ones in a long time. Do I sound okay? I'm not too loud, am I? Uh, nope. Yeah, All right, fine. It's it's weird because these these have been in my bag and I just I never use them. I use those other ones, and so I threw these on and said I don't feel like walking into the other room and getting my regular headphones. And now it, it sounds super weird because these are like way more like technically are they like a noise canceling or whatever. Like noise. I don't have the noise canceling on, but they're still very noise canceling, hmm. and they're also super sensitive. Like I'm picking up that fan behind me. So, yeah. But we'll we'll be fine. We are here to talk about the paranormal, not about our headphones, uh, which we do each and every Saturday night. It's just myself and Matt Costa tonight because Moniz is, I don't know where Moniz is. (laughs) He didn't tell us where he was going to be tonight. But uh, Stephanie's in in San Antonio, Texas. They went to the Alamo yesterday. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. Did they visit the basement? I don't think so. There's no basement in the Alamo. Are you sure, that's what that's what Jan Hooks told me. But uh, from but they were we should call her right now and like stop drop what yep. you're doing. The, go back to the Alamo. Are the stars that bright? Look, <laughs> she's gonna call in from a pay phone. I'm in Texas. We're like, no, you're not. Come on. No, really, I am. <laughs> the stars, are done. but uh, no, down, she's down in Texas with uh, John Brightman and Porter. I don't, I don't get invited to these to these conferences. No. They, they claim they don't want me. Are you not allowed in Texas? No, I. I'm, as far as I know, I should be allowed in Texas. I've I've never been in Texas. I've flown over Texas. I've always wanted to go to Texas, but you know, I don't know what it is. I haven't heard yeah. too many ghost stories from the Texas area. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've heard some. Yeah, you know, but I'm, I'm sure there's one of those uh, haunted Texas books. And- yeah, oh yeah. I mean, uh, Galveston is a mm-hmm. town that has a lot of paranormal activity because that is a town that was decimated by a hurricane in the early 1900s. So, a lot of Galveston has been dealing with ghosts due to that hurricane. But you know, I'm I'm sure there's probably quite a few out there. There's there was a lot of the different things that's gone on over Texas's history. You know. Six flags over Texas. They've, they've been under six different flags, so they've seen a lot of battles. They've seen a lot of uh, a lot of fighting. They've seen a lot of unique things that have gone on in their history with the you know, the Mexican border wars and all mm-hmm. that stuff. So I'm sure that they've probably found some pretty good haunted places. But I'm, it's Saturday night at a paranormal convention, so they're not ghost hunting. They're probably all at a bar somewhere partying doing karaoke <laughs> probably all that stuff well we're here doing the show and we'll be joined uh, a little bit later on by our guest tonight shane searway he'll be joining us to talk about his work in the paranormal field we'll also hopefully be checking in with christy over at the oliver house tonight because next weekend is our big bridgewater triangle mysterious middleborough event and there are still some tickets available so if you want to join us for that Definitely go to SpookySouthCoast.com right now and get your tickets. But we're going to be investigating three different locations next Saturday. The Oliver House, the Mayflower Masonic Lodge, and the Middleborough Town Hall. The three most famous haunts in Middleborough. We will be checking them all out in one night, and you can get your tickets now at SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, last week, we had I had an event. Everybody else was scattered all over the place. Uh, I think Moniz last week was in Salem for Paroween. I think that was last weekend. I don't think it's this weekend. So that means that Moniz and I were like just a couple miles away from each other, but just doing completely different things last Saturday. Uh, We were at the uh, Parson, uh, the Parson Barnard House in North Andover, which people had seen on Haunted Towns, and it looked like a really cool place, and people had been asking us to do some North Shore events. So we put this together with the Parson Barnard House, and it was a small group, you know, just mm-hmm. about twenty people, because it's just it's just a house, and um, we were pretty, you know, laid pretty low key, pretty laid back event. Uh, a lot of everybody there had experience, pretty much, so we didn't really worry too much about having it be very structured, and we kind of just let people do their own thing. So while we're doing the event, you know, we walked up to the cemetery, which is a short walk from the house, and that's where the Barnards are buried, including Thomas Barnard and we started looking over some of the gravestones of the barnard family and we realized that thomas barnard whose house we were investigating had passed away on october 13th of 1718 so we were only about a week we were literally a week after uh, eight days after his the anniversary of his death but we also realized that next year October thirteenth, 2018, will be a Saturday night, and that will be the 300th anniversary of the passing of Thomas Barnard. So we are actually, I've already talked to the caretaker, Greg, and we have booked the house for October thirteenth, two 2018. So we will have an event there on that date. So this is the first time that we've ever announced an event a year in advance. But we secured that date because we were making some great connections in that house, and we want to go back and help. Because the whole thing with Thomas Barnard is people have tied him into the Salem Witch Trials as being one of the accusers. And in all actuality, he was trying to to calm down some of the witch hysteria. So he's gotten a bad rap over the centuries. So we were trying to help help with that reputation. So that's what we're going to do next year is we're going to observe the 300th anniversary of his passing by reaching out to him both at the cemetery and at the house. So it'll be a while before we put those tickets up for sale, but just keep that date open on your calendar if you want to join us for that. But so there's stories that at one point this house was used as a uh, a boarding school for for boys and there was a teacher, I forget the last name, but his first name was Simeon and he was not very nice to the boys he would he would beat them and abuse them and so at one point we're all in the attic most well, before we even got to the attic one of the stories is that something in that house will throw pennies at you and so they have a couple of pennies that they keep up on a dresser in that room so i had my flashlight next to where the pennies are so that you know if anything went over there and tried to touch the pennies maybe it would set the flashlight off And I made sure I secured the flashlight so that it wouldn't go anywhere, and we are trying to coax whatever's there to throw the pennies at us. And there were two pennies. there's a penny from the year 2000 and one penny from the year, I think it was 1979 or whatever. And so the older penny, I took it in my hand, and I had everybody kind of hold it for a few minutes to charge it up to see if maybe we could... Pass off some electricity, some some uh, energy onto it, and then we put that up on the dresser. And we said, if it throws a penny, it'll be interesting to see which penny actually gets thrown. Well, as we're sitting there trying to coax it to throw this penny at us, all of a sudden, my flashlight just gets my flashlight comes on for a second, and then just gets knocked off the the dresser, which was kind of cool. But you know, we're trying to recreate it. See, did it roll? Is it possible that it just you know, rolled off after a couple seconds? But the fact that the light came on first, maybe something touched it. So anyway, so we're up in the attic because I said, let's find a nice quiet place where we can sit in pitch blackness and try and just kind of feel out the house. And so as we're up there, it was really strange because you could feel some sort of attention in the air. And you know how when you sit in a dark room after a while, your eyes start to adjust and then you can see a little bit in the dark. Obviously, we're not going to see well in the dark, but you can see something. Right, Matt? You, I mean, you you know what I mean. Right. Like, after a while, if you hold your hand up in front of your face, you can see your hand. Right. I mean, uh, when the lights go out at first, you're kind of blinded. <laughs> but after time, your eyes get used to it. Yeah, you, you adjust. Your, your pupils dilate. You can see a little bit better in the dark. Well, this was so weird because we could never – our eyes never adjusted. We could never – like, we were holding our hands up in front of our faces and couldn't see it. It's like the atmosphere was that thick. And we were having shadows that we were kind of walking by us. And it's like, how come we can see those, but we can't see our hands? It was just really strange. And so I pulled out Vox and we started communicating with the boys that were kept up in that attic. And they started telling us their names, and we're talking to William, and you know, I forget the other names, but I just remember William coming through quite frequently. And we asked them, you know, are you afraid? And they're telling us they're afraid. And we're like, what are you afraid of? And, and Simeon comes out of the, the Echo Vox. And it came out of the Echo Vox on multiple occasions. I'm like, well, that's really weird because that's not a common name either. You know, I don't know too many people that have been named Simeon, except the, you know, the quarterback for the Broncos, but that's his last name. So anyway, we, I come up with the idea because, you know, we're getting all this activity going on. I said to one of the women, I said, well, you know, you're a girl. Why don't you try? If Simeon's the kind of guy that wants to beat up kids, I'm sure it wouldn't take too kindly to a woman kind of calling him out. So one of the women that were there starts so calling him out, immediately he just called her a bitch, which I thought was pretty strong and profound. And it was just – it went. this mm-hmm. went on for, you know, over an hour. And so it was just the name was Simeon? That was his first name. I can't remember his last name. Like historically. Oh. And – That was the name of the person that was the teacher. And then to have that also come through the Echo Box was pretty cool. That is interesting. Yeah, we had all kinds of weird experiences happening up there. But uh, it's definitely a great place. And so, like I said, we're going to go back for the 300th anniversary of Thomas Barnard's passing on October 13th, 2018. So keep that date open on your calendar, and we'll have information as, as the date gets closer. But like I said, next Saturday night, that's Mysterious Middleborough. And, you know, we're just getting the plug out of the way. Christy's going to try and check in with us in the next few minutes from the Oliver House, just to kind of let us know about all the interesting things that have been going on there over the last couple of weeks. And and we'll talk a little bit more about what we're doing there. And then uh, Shane Searway will join us in just a few moments also to talk about his work in the paranormal. And then, just for a few moments at the beginning of the 11 o'clock hour, we're going to have a conversation with the... We're, we're, we're going to talk to Kevin Raper, who is the son-in-law of our Gary Patterson. And we lost Gary a few months ago. We, we had a, an episode where we paid tribute to Gary. And, and uh, of course, you know it's still still very raw that we lost one of our, one of our idols and one of our favorite people in, in the paranormal world. But they've found a way to keep his work alive. And so they're going to join us to talk about this new project that they have, which I think is great and I've, I've heard little bits and pieces of it and I think people are really going to like it so they'll join us in just a few moments a little bit later on in this show and then we want to have them come back for a full show or at least part of a show to talk a little bit more about Gary's legacy and some of the ways that they plan on, on keeping his work alive because there's not enough there's not enough people doing what Gary did you know, putting in the work, putting in the time making the personal connections to get these stories about rock and roll legends and curses, I mean just look at a lot of the paranormal stuff, people just go online, they find, they find things, they find stories, they find first-hand accounts, whatever, and they'll write about it, but they don't take the time to get to know the people and to get the real inside information and to convey the emotions that are involved, and that's something that Gary always did. So, uh, like I said, we'll we'll find out a little bit more about what they have in the works and how they're keeping our Gary Patterson's. Memory Alive. So that'll be a little bit later on in the show, just uh, just after the 11 o'clock news. And you can call in at any point 508 996 0500 877 996 1420. And of course, the chat room is open at spooky south spooky TV. You can watch the show as you listen. Is there. Uh, what, what was I just going to ask you about? I don't know. You don't, you don't know what I was going to just went out of my head talking about the live right. stream right in the, the ta- chat room yes talking about the chat all room all the ways that you can interact all the ways you can interact live. the app we have the app download the free yep. app and I feel like there's something that I'm missing here that I wanted to bring up Hmm. oh I know what I want to talk to you about I wanted I want to, to, to bring it up on the show and publicly point out what's this the spooky clips these, oh, things, yeah. are, these things are taking off right and spooky clips are, if you haven't gone to our, uh, to, our Facebook, uh, to our YouTube account, I mean, if you go to the YouTube account, you'll see Matt takes out some of the best moments of the interview, some of the best moments of the show, makes little smaller clips of the show. So, of course, we want you to watch the entire program, but if you don't watch the entire program or if you don't have time to sit and watch it and you just want to get a feeling of what it was about, these clips are great. Well, these spooky clips, I want to put the word out to everybody out there, they're also very shareable so take those clips and put them up on your twitter page put them up on your facebook share them get the word out help us promote spooky south coast but also you know you might know somebody that is interested in weird news stories or somebody who's had a ufo experience that might want to hear about somebody else's you know and it's a way to kind of give them a little bit of information and help without them having to sit and listen to an entire show so Matt does a fantastic job of making the clips and we just want you to help spread them around. That's what I've been meaning. I've been meaning Sorry. to promote those clips for a couple of shows now. So, all right. Well, we have joining us on the line. I believe we have Christy on the line now. Christy, is that
1: you? It is I. Hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I think you're breaking up just a little bit. So, I don't know if I'm losing your signal or uh, not. Christy, we don't can have you to hear break. Me
0: okay? We don't have to break up. We can we can okay. stay friends.
1: Well, I'd like for us to kind of stay together. Breakups can be nasty sometimes, you know, and I like to be a happy person.
0: You are a very happy person. How is things going over there tonight?
1: It's been, as always, a very interesting night. Um, I'm going to tell you the winner of the night is the uh, phantom dog poop smell um, that we have smelled consistently off and on all night long across both groups of people who came out for the tour tonight. So the dog's been hot and heavy in the house tonight. Hmm. Um, We've had a lot of folks in the house that have taken some interesting photographs. You know, they've been uh, really snap-happy with the cell phones, which we encourage here at the Oliver House. And uh, a lot of people have felt as if they've had their shirt tugged on by a small person, uh, both upstairs and downstairs in some of the older kitchens. Wow. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I've got to tell you something. Uh, Do you remember how uh, a few weeks ago when you were here, we had the uh, pitcher kind of fly off the wall and break the pottery?
0: Yes, yes. That was uh, very intense.
1: Yes, it was. Well, we moved the pitcher, and uh, of course the glass was all broken out of it, so it's nothing to break in, in the pitcher anymore. We moved the pitcher and put it in the hallway. Uh, below the stairs, there's a nail, and we put it there and hung it up. And apparently, they don't like it there either because it has come off the wall a few times. Wow. Yeah, so apparently, we have really sucky taste in artwork.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the, the photo's not, the, the picture's not that bad.
1: It's really not. It's, it's kind of a warm, inviting picture, but apparently, the energies that are here don't really care for it that much. And that's okay. But we had to test the theory and see if it was the picture or if it was the area that it was hung, you know, in the old kitchen. But it seems to be that they just don't like the artwork.
0: Well, I mean, that was one of the more profound things that I've ever had happen because it was it, it was at the end of the night. It was after people had left. We were all just kind of sitting in the room. And there's no way that it was anybody stomping on the floor above us. There's no way it was anybody banging on a wall. You know, when you have every person that's in the room directly, every person that's in the building directly in your line of sight and something like that happens, mm-hmm. there's, there's no other word to explain it than paranormal, especially when we went in there and tried to figure out how it could have happened. And it would have taken mm-hmm. some sort of force reaching up underneath the picture and knocking it off the wall because of the way that it was hung. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's um, I mean the house. It's um, and and as anybody who's um, handling properties and doing tours, like Rise Up, for instance, I've got I'm sure that they can understand this, and other teams in the area who handle like the Lizzie Borden house and things. um, Once you're in here for a long enough period of time, you almost become accustomed to the things that the house it does or the energies do in the house. So it's kind of like second nature to you. But then sometimes. Just sometimes, from time to time, they do something completely incredible. And that night with the pitcher, that was a completely incredible night. We continue to have things move around, like objects moving in front of us. Um, So, since the pitcher, we've actually had cat balls rolling around on the floor Mm -hmm. and lighting up. So, they, they have their moments where they're really strong here in the house. And we're lucky enough that we're in it. To be able to experience it and uh, share it with people
0: and so uh i know that you guys also just investigated the town hall too right
1: that's correct yes we were only there for about three hours it was a very very short period of time um but it was enough because while we were there and we were up in the main uh ballroom area we had a lot of activity we were sitting on the floor in the center of the ballroom and you could hear the floor popping around you as if somebody was walking around you. Hmm. You could feel the floor beneath you as if somebody was putting weight on it. Uh, we were actually able to, with our audio recorders, capture some phantom piano music. Hmm. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on, which is unusual, but it was a beautiful piece of audio that we walked away at the end of the night with that, you know, we shared to the people who did ghost tours uh, this weekend at uh, the town hall. Um, and people were just blown away by it. But we've got no explanation for it. You know, there is a, there is a piano uh, in the town hall. But at the time it was recorded, we were in the balcony and nobody was near the piano. Mm-hmm. But it was just like somebody was sitting there playing it.
0: Right. So you were, in, you were kind of in the same room as the pia- piano
1: we were in the main ballroom but you're in a different so, section of it yeah we were up in the balcony that overlooks the ballroom yeah it's like a big
0: auditorium type setup so
1: oh uh, yeah so it
0: is you're, mm-hmm. you know you're able um, to see out below you and and you could see if anybody would be down there
1: exactly yes now the town hall what's interesting about that is people who don't even you know, believe in the paranormal or really uh, go out to seek it or experience it, they have a lot of experiences there. Um, One of the most recent that seems to be uh, a similar story from each particular person that witnesses this is an apparition that's as solid as you and me. He has color about him. It's a man in, like, work clothes, and he appears, and he's just walking through And I think uh, one of the people thought at first it was like a janitor, but it's not. Um, It seems to be possibly the energy of the man who actually constructed the town hall, and his name was uh, I think, Solomon Eaton. Yes. Who passed away of a heart attack before the hall was completed, right before it was completed. So uh, there's also a little girl that's there on the balcony area primarily uh, you can hear her you know walking around and playing and humming and singing um there's a multiple energies down in the basement the basement is really an interesting space i think you actually had experience down there before didn't you Tim? i did
0: that's where i uh, communicated with uh, with ed warren spirit through the through the echo hmm.
1: yeah we um we did a very very short stand i think we were probably in the basement well, maybe 10, 15 minutes the night we were there. We were upstairs most of the time. Um, but while we were there, we kept we caught some incredible audio. Uh, of uh, We opened a door, and uh, this woman came through very clearly on our audio as if it was, like, 30 years delayed. What that means, we're not quite sure. But you can hear our voices, and then you hear this, other voice that is not any of the people that's down there come through very loud just as a matter of factly and make a comment when we open that door so i think uh you know when folks come out to the town hall i think they're in for a real treat
0: I think uh, absolutely, and uh, as I said, we still have some tickets available. If people want to get those tickets, they can do so at com. You can uh, join in with us next Saturday night from Mysterious Middleborough. We're doing it to raise some money for the Oliver House Restorations. You'll get to investigate the Town Hall. You'll get to investigate the Oliver House and also the Mayflower Masonic Lodge as well. And, uh, and of course, we'll you know do the usual thing, pizza dinner and snacks and drinks and all that stuff too. And, uh, and I, I think it's going to be a, a really – I'm just getting the feeling, Chrissy. It's going to be a really weird night.
1: Yes, I I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. I can feel it kind of brewing. Uh, I think at all locations, there's a possibility that people are going to walk away and say, wow. I mean, wow. Um, Middleboro in general, is it's just an amazing place because it is a part of the Bridgewater Triangle. So, as you know from other towns, there seems to be just like hot spots of this sort of activity. Um, and these three locations that people are going to be able to go into are some of those major hotspots in this town. So, it's worth it. Absolutely. It really worth
0: it. Well, we look forward to seeing you uh, next Saturday night, and I'm sure I'll talk to you before then.
1: hmm Absolutely. So, I hope everybody has a, uh, a great night there. And y'all make sure to get online and get your tickets. We are so excited to bring you here to experience the Oliver Estate.
0: Absolutely. And uh, you stay safe tonight, and we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right, thank you. Good
0: night. Have a good night. That is Christy Parish over at the Oliver House, and again, you can join us next Saturday night. Go to SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to take part in that. All right, I'm going to bring up our guest uh, right now. Hold on. I'm going to do this live on the air. If see, if we had, if we we need producers, Matt. That's what we need. All right. We need producers that are like hanging out with us all the time, waiting. You know, so that when I have an idea right. on a Wednesday afternoon at four o'clock in the afternoon, coffee in one hand, notepad in the other. Right. All times. And then they can they can uh, also do all the grunt work here on the show. Yes. Which, is when it comes time to trying to connect with people and all that stuff, and see if we've got Shane with us. Hello, Shane. Hello. Are you with us. Like I said, next Saturday, yes. Oh, I, I see you, Shane. Can you hear us? Oh, hold on. Wait a minute. I got to do this thing. Can you hear me now, Shane? Hey. Is that right, Matt? I put it in audition so that he can hear me? Right. Yeah,
2: I got you. All right, cool. I'm hearing an echo, though. I'm hearing myself.
0: Um, let's see if I can. How do I adjust that? I think you might have to turn something down on your. Wait a minute. Matt's pointing to me. What do you say, Matt? Uh, I do have it up, but I don't. I have it muted, the YouTube. Can you still hear me okay?
2: I can hear you. Oh, the echo's gone.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think think once we push the buttons over here, it changes things up. See, this is what we do. We do it all on the fly. (laughs) There you go. So uh, I did not read your bio, so I'm going to give everybody a quick taste of of what it is that you do. And of course, if you want to check out Shane's website, it's TrueGhost.com. He's been helping families and individuals for over 30 years. He has a rare 100% success rate at getting rid of nasty parasitic hauntings, which we're definitely going to talk about tonight. His understanding of the mechanics of what allows a haunt is untouched. He gets called in when investigators, demonologists, and clergy fall short in providing relief, and he has succeeded every time. Shane doesn't stop there. He's currently involved in several areas that have UFO sightings, Sasquatch, Sasquatch sightings, and Shadow People sightings. He's at the center of some of the biggest cases, and again, you can check out his website, TrueGhost.com, to find out more, and, uh, and of course, we'll talk about some of these cases as well throughout the course of the discussion, but we welcome Shane Searway to the show. Did I say it right, Searway? Yeah, you got it. All right, see, and I was telling you kind of over Facebook that here on the south coast of Massachusetts, people take a lot of liberties with French names. Yes. So we, you know, I, I if I've had multiple friends with the last name Dubois, and some are Dubois, some are Dubois, some are, you know, even different combinations of that. So you can never be too
2: Benoit sure. versus Benoit, you know. Yeah, we Benoit. have
0: we have a lot of Benoites <laughs> here, but no, we don't have any Benwaas. We have Benoits.
2: Oh really? Okay. Yeah, which
0: is it's so strange. So I, I'm I'm always very careful with the french names because you never know which way it's going to go well for example jeff belanger you know everybody knows jeff belanger in the paranormal but in french it would be belanger right right. in other places they pronounce it bellinger so you know you all these different pronunciations for things Yep. that's why i have i have a name that people can just butcher no matter where they are it's not location specific there's no dialect involved it's just it's always butchered so you uh you know dealing with the type of hauntings that you deal with, uh, dealing with parasitic hauntings. It's, it's funny that you know we're talking to you now because this is a time of year when people are going out to different events, different haunted places. They're going out and kind of just trying to have a, a little bit of Halloween fun. And that Halloween fun can kind of turn around on people with the possibility of something latching onto them and following them home. I, I assume that a lot of the cases that you've dealt with probably have to do with people that have gone to these places looking for a thrill and come home with something that they didn't expect
2: no absolutely i mean it's the same thing with the use of the ouija board it's not the board that's the evil thing it's a board's just a tool that focuses your your attention on the possibility of an interaction and when you give attention to this to the subject you know, you're opening yourself up because these these parasitic entities need your attention. You know, you you give give them something your attention. You're giving them energy, and it's drawn towards that. And so, um, you know, the next thing too is um, when people venture up in these situations, they 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 don't want to obsess about that. You know, about interaction, even though it's 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 fun. You kind of got to be like, um, you you, you got to kind of be open minded, but you got to be level too, and you, and you can't. Um, you can't fear it. If, if there's an ounce of fear, even though we want that, it's kind of exciting for people, right? But that fear is also um, it, it, it's broadcast through uh, your emotional frequency. So even if you're not acting afraid, these parasites know that you are, and, and you're going to become a target. It's a vulnerability that they look for. So the attention and the um, the fear. Um, so when you go off to a supposed you know local haunted place. I've I've had to deal with um it help many people that got in trouble that way, same thing, you know, for the same reasons, uh the use of a Ouija board. And I've actually helped a lot of uh investigators, um, who got into trouble. Um, some you, you guys might have even heard of, but I, I do it all behind the scenes in confidential and everything. But sure, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've I've uh helped out quite a few investigators that, you know, that were seasoned, but they they found themselves in a little trouble.
0: Well, I mean, but that's the thing is you can have all the experience in the world with going into haunted places and, and feeling like you have a control of the situation, but we don't really know what it is that we're dealing with and what it's capable of. So even though you feel like you're in control, that control is probably a false illusion. And at any given time, you know, things can go south pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean what what i've years ago when i started this work i had learned everything i thought i knew you know all the books i might have read and growing up you know i my, at a very young young age my first paranormal experience was 41 years ago and so um going forward it was just uh, you know in having a mechanical aptitude it was it was trying to figure out what what allows it you know and i mean not at, at, at a wicked wicked young age but as i got older that that was my purpose was to kind of figure th- this out and and um so I put in a process to identify trends, and I started connecting some dots, and, and started to realize um, how these things operate, and what what initiates that haunt, what allows it to continue, what allows it to escalate. And so, um, you know, I've, I've been doing this a long, long time, and I've helped uh, thousands of people already. And and it, in the way I've done it, um, once I connected those dots and kind of had an idea of what these things are going after. Um, and, and I've, I haven't failed one person, you know, so I've been able to help every single person that's been, been afflicted by these, um, parasites after, you know, other people might have gone in after they called in their priests or they had other groups in there who all kind of use the same type, types of tactics. Cause that was another thing that I looked at when I started this work is like, how come I'm going in after so many clergy, you know, Greece and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, how come I'm going in after so many groups? What are they doing differently than, what I believe to be, you know, the mechanics. And, and so, um, I started to, to realize that, um, they're basically using, like, paranormal against the paranormal. And what I do is I, I kind of go in there and I identify, um, you know, the, the root cause and, and I manipulate that. And so, and it might be different for other, different people, you know, but, um, there was a case that I did in Woonsocket, Rhode Island in nineteen ninety eight, that was actually it was written about in the book and everything. And but uh this guy was being attacked for two years solid. Um, waking up in the middle of the night with this disfigured, he said a hideous woman inches from his face. You know, he'd just wake up, you know, two o'clock in, in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, she'd be right in his face and um, he actually went gray overnight, um, after my first visit down there to, to do my initial, you know, interview with him. And uh, but I, first time I walked in, he goes, all right, he goes, it's something's up because they were they were really acting up. And then about a half hour ago, they just got real quiet. They must know you're coming, you know. And so we walked in the door and as soon as we walked in, a lamp flew off his desk about 15 feet or so and, and hit him, hit him in the leg. And he just he goes, he goes, see, that's what I'm talking about. He, it, it, I could tell by his reaction that he'd been dealing with much worse for a long period of time because it didn't startle him. He was, was like, that was nothing compared to what he's been dealing with. So um, there was other investigators involved, um, before me that went into the basement and they all um, doubled over with earaches and migraines. They had to leave. Uh, his, he had his Roman Catholic priest come in, bless the home. It got much worse after that. He asked the guy to come back. The guy came, got to the door and said, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I can't go back in there. So um, he had invited another investigator um, from from the local town, and he this guy ended up hearing about me online. And, and he, he says, you know, I really think that you can help me. Will you come down? I said, sure, you know, absolutely. I said, but I want to make sure I'm not stepping on the toes of this other investigator. Cause I normally work alone. I'm willing to work with him, um, whatever it takes to help you, you know, get you relief. Cause I could really tell this guy was traumatized and dealing with a lot. So, um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So the, the guy agreed and I, and I, agreed to work with him and we went down and it ended up being Paul, you know, who now is like a brother of mine. He, we're, we're real close friends and I, I co-host on his radio show, um, quite often. But anyway, um, so what I asked this gentleman, because i need to kind of figure out what this this parasite's feeding off of um so i i asked him how long have you lived here he said my girlfriend's lived here for 11 years i've lived here for 6 years i said how long have you been being attacked he said only the last 2 years i said so something happened 2 years ago that changed your emotional state of being or sent shock waves through this environment that changed things i mean it, it had to have been something dramatic um that really lowered your emotional you know state of being or whatever your frequency because i find it's like a two-way radio with these things they need us at a certain frequency if you will or at a certain emotional state in order to connect with us and that's how i treat it i elevate people's emotions i get them out of the the the, uh spot that they're at and um it breaks the connection these things just disappear but um now what what so i said what changed two years ago he goes actually it all started um three three weeks after i got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer now pancreatic cancer doesn't have a good you know that's it, it, not a, it's not a good thing there's no good turnout with right, that so yeah. so um i he was put on meds he was because of the meds he couldn't work and who would want to anyways um and so he was at home uh just doing nothing but soaking in negativity and just thinking about the fact that he's probably going to die he was also a vietnam vet a hero um, who witnessed his friends being blown up in front of him. So he had all these bad memories, and he was also a recovering alcoholic. Uh, he had been recovering for like two or three years. Um, and, and, and also, you know, the cancer thing and the Vietnam memory. So um all this negative stuff it 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 lowered his his emotional state of being but it also exposed that vulnerability now he's vulnerable and that's what these parasitic entities look for so they they popped in and they just latched on and and they were absolutely tormented and doing everything they could to keep them down and, and um keep them where they wanted them you know so um there was another investigator that i brought there who was older than me and and you know fooled me into thinking that he was much more experienced i won't you know i won't say his name but um he's off the scene anyway but he um he what he witnessed there i mean all kinds of things moving but also like huge discharges in the basement and i'm not talking about just like sparks or lights i'm talking about things that looked like you know long gray ropes that were just flying through the through the basement he got also um surrounded by something uh, an energy in freezing cold and, and uh he wouldn't move for like a half hour and and finally you know i cut ties with him i said you can't do this work anymore you you're you've got a paranoid personality for one and and it's gonna these things gonna chase you you know you, you can't go into not one location without being attacked because he was just the wrong wrong type of person for this type of work so right yeah. uh, he ended up uh forming his own little thing getting his own website and he he this is a guy that um had a you know a, a very expensive home Um, lovely wife, great job, he lost everything, lost his wife, lost his house, lost his job, you know, um, everything, he's he's, he's living in a trailer home somewhere now, and because it just, him dabbling in this ruined his whole life, because he just, uh, the wrong character, so, but anyways, this gentleman, I said, what we have to do is, we have to get you on a a more positive path, we got to change your internal dialogue, because right now, it's focused on negative things, so, if we change your thinking, we're going to change your frequency, we're going to kind of break that connection, so, um, I said, volunteer at a soup kitchen, go for walks, do anything that makes you feel good about you know more positive and better about yourself. So, he actually did that. He volunteered at a soup kitchen um, at a uh, a real old uh, stone church in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. But that that church was also scheduled to be torn down. So he led a fight to save it from being torn down, and he was on the you know newspaper. He was on the nightly news. So he had drive. He had purpose. He had something positive that he was doing that changed his internal dialogue. And um, not only did the entity just disappear after two years, um, his cancer went into remission. But with X-ray, there's no signs he ever had cancer. And that was in 1998. He's still alive today. And he, he's in the nursing home, but he's still alive cancer-free.
0: Well, and that's so, a I was true say, story. It sounds like then that you're – i mean obviously you have some abilities some knowledge some skills in dealing with this but it also sounds like to a large degree you're helping the person to do it themselves you're kind of coaching them into being who they need to be to be able to
2: fight these things absolutely because this is what that's this is what a lot of the in and i'm not attacking any attacking any religion although there are religions that are supposed to be of a, a higher spiritual nature, but they use fear, and I don't like that I don't like religions that use fear in people because those are the the types of um, worshipers that end up getting possessed because you know they they live with that fear of, of all this stuff, but it's a whole different conversation um, but <clears throat> we absolutely are participants in the interaction, even if we don't realize it, even if it's our subconscious we we almost allow these things sometimes without knowing it but you we are participants there is an exchange that happens even if we're unaware of what we are contributing to the situation but we have to change certain things about ourselves because we have to be in a certain uh state in order to be connected to these things um they might you know jump in every once in a while and to see if they can get a spike out of you and if they're not getting what they need they just they disappear but um you know they they really need, and I tell you know all my clients and everyone else, and I, I help a lot of uh, investigators too on their cases. That's mainly what's been keeping me. I've, I've been doing a lot with other investigators and other groups who you know are are kind of stuck with their cases. And and um, but it's you know uh, fear, negativity, and attention, which usually turns into an obsession. So fear, negativity, and a, a, a attention to the subject. Um, those things need to be eliminated from a negative haunt when you can do that successfully and it's not always easy uh, because you can't tell somebody hey don't be afraid when that chair goes flying across your room if they're totally afraid of it but it, it takes them to really I really have to sell that idea to them and make them believe so they have that inner strength and that's what I find when religion does work is if the religion has an impact on the person it doesn't it doesn't it's not the effect that it has on the the institute because I've been in so many times where people have tried the religion uh religious aspect and it didn't work and the reason why it didn't work is because it didn't have the right effect on the individual that was being attacked to get them to an, a proper place an emotional state where they could break that connection with this thing where they're not where this entity wants them to be and they take off so when it has worked it's because the person had the faith in the process and it got them to where they needed to be so that's when i start long time ago i was connecting back to these dots and saying how come it works sometimes how come it doesn't um it, how come people can use different types of uh tactics you know whether it's smudging or this or that um there's all kinds of different techniques how come they all of them work sometimes and sometimes they don't and they're all just tools to manipulate us and to get us to where we need to be to break that connection so um and that's what i find and you know uh, fortunately you know being someone that loves doing this work and uh i've been able to help everyone that's reached out to me you know and because if I couldn't, I, would, I wouldn't I would continue to do it.
0: Well, but uh, I think that that's, the, that's part of the reason why you've had such a success rate is because you are empowering the individual. And I think a lot of other folks that are trying to do the, the paranormal cleanup work are kind of looking at it as, you know, I have this skill myself or I have this ability or I have this knowledge. And by taking yourself out of it and kind of putting that power in the person, I can understand why you have such a success rate because – they're you they have to be on board with the plan they can't they can't it's like anything else you can't be expecting somebody else to do the work for you
2: you're absolutely right and you know because i see a lot of you know like like, exactly like you said and some even go into it with almost an ego and and, you know these investigators saying that you know they're they have some kind of control over this situation and and really it, it has nothing to do um That has nothing to do with anything. This this person has has an interaction going on with an entity, so it's between those two. So I started to realize how come you know, like I said, we can't just get rid of this entity if it doesn't want to go. But we need if we can manipulate the the person that it's attacking and get them to change, then that interaction between the two of them is manipulated. It's changed, and the connection is broken. So um it it really is that way and I like I tell I I went I did a case not too long ago and um the, this group reached out to me um they're kind of you know well known in the New England area and they said you know can you help us with this uh because there's this it's two two homes um side by side they're owned by the same family well, one's a home and one's in, like an apartment building but one of the family members lives in one of the apartments on the other side anyway but they got things going on in both places um, so in the apartment building, they, they did a, a smudging or whatever and they, they block up this room from the hallway into a baby's, uh, nursery because the baby was screaming in the middle of the night and everything. Um, well, when, whenever they put it in there at, at certain points, it would start screaming. Um, so they, they smudged and they blocked off the door and they said that nobody can pass through this door because they'll let the energy back in and all this other stuff. And I said, I said, well, you know, with all due respect, that's absolutely the wrong approach. I mean, and I didn't build little with them. I talked to them in private and I, I said, here's here's why. I was trying to teach them because by doing that, you're giving power back to this entity. You're letting him manipulate your life. You know, these things, you can't let them dictate what you do in your life. And once you do that, you're empowering them and you're giving them exactly what they need. They're more in control. What What we need to understand is we actually have more control over them than they do us when we have the right information. So, um that we stopped that right right from get go I educated um both family members um and also what I found out with with the baby um now this is this was quite simple that you know, other people would miss this poor baby and and this is something not something that I like to talk about uh was was abused heavily when it was very very little um like four months and it was in a body cast Um, and so it was living with this family that was a family member but it wasn't their baby and they were taking care of it Um, so um, but anyway so I said I went into the room and I I'm sensitive you know, I'm, I'm very scientific, but I'm sensitive to things. And what I was feeling was different than what they were describing their, their, um, and, you know, interpretation of, of things. And, uh, what I just sensed was an, an EMF and not associated with an entity, but like of, of, you know, bad wiring or, you know, you get off of electrical equipment. And I get like, I get like a reverse pressure on the top of my head and, and, and I can really tell that it, it's come, you know, that it's something of that nature. So, um, it, but over where the, um, where the crib was, I I put the the um, my my EMF detector on the wall and it just spiked way up high and and so I asked them about the wiring they said oh yeah yeah but the husband was an electrician and he was in the process of redoing all the wire but he hadn't got to that wall yet and I'm telling you it was like bang it was pegging. it was huge for uninsulated wiring it was higher than it should have been um, but when the baby was in in that bed it, that's when it was screaming but when they brought it over to um, the changing table over by the door that they'd close off um, it wouldn't scream i said so it only screams when it's in this crib and they said yes yeah. so it, it was reacting to the emf um, so i told them to move it away um, they did that everything's fine and i educated the family cuz one of the homes um, the main home actually i did encounter something down the basement it was running from me but i could tell it, there was something there um, but i educated them and there was a lot of people living in that home, so there's a lot of personality, and with that, we get a lot of conflict and stuff. So I educated them on on all that and uh, the 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 importance of being positive and and um you know relie- relieving the house of any negative stuff. And if you get mad, just go for walks. And I said, and don't obsess about it. And I always think about oh, what's a, what's the ghost going to do now? You know, because if it's in your mind that you're just broadcasting that you want to play or whatever, that's what the thing thinks going to you're going to pay attention to me. I'm going to mess around and so but i educated both families and um that was that one visit i went there and i just got a update it was like a couple years ago i just got an update from that group and they said that they're still problem free so they haven't had any issues since and that's all i did after all these other groups went in there and tried to use the other tactics the the holy water and the staging and the smudging and stuff um that didn't work and I just educated them and got them in line with a more positive path and how to communicate better with one another and live together, and uh, and that it was that simple. I mean, so.
0: But when you're with situations like that, I mean, people create their own negative situations, and I'm sure that a lot of times you're getting called into cases where sometimes where there might be something that's happened paranormally but also you're dealing with a lot of the human element of things too does that kind of foster more bad things what I mean is that it's not necessarily something paranormal that follows somebody or attaches itself to somebody but just the fact that they are creating this negative environment around themselves, and it just so happens that they've also had something paranormal going on as well. But it's the people that are that are causing this evil more than it is something something that could attach themselves to them.
2: Uh, well, what what I found is you know when people get it, 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 there's all kinds of different emotional states of being that that seem to um, trigger these these parasites. And um, you know just because you had a bad day doesn't mean oh, okay, well now my house is going to be haunted. It's not the way it works. Um, but there's a, there's a prolonged process and, and there's a, and also there's other, uh, geological things, that, uh, components that actually will make it more probable too, and I found that out. Um, but, but with, um, with us, it, it absolutely is, is, um, our emotional state that's actually attracting these things to us. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's different, there's different reasoning for that. So sometimes I have to be a drug counselor, you know, a marriage counselor or whatever. And I have a background in all that stuff, you know? So, um, and, and so I'm able to, to get people, work with people on that, but they, you know, they lived in the same house for 20 years, but yet it's only been the last month that they were being attacked. So there's, there's got to be a reason for that. So what changed a month ago? And every single time I ask that question, I get the answer. And there's always something that I've changed dramatically. And that's what triggered this parasite. That's what this parasite has said. Okay, this person is in a vulnerable state. I'm going to mess with them. And, and that's, I mean, that's just how it works. And I just get them back to where they need to be, you know, in a more positive path. Get them off of whatever you know, that internal dialogue, whatever, wherever, wherever they are at the moment is obviously not a good place. So let's get, let's change it. Let's manipulate, you know, that and um, those mechanics and it, and it works.
0: And it, I do think that people can kind of create that palpable, uh, sense of whatever so it, it it could be something negative it could be something positive i think if people kind of band together you know i talk a lot in my lectures that i give about about thought forms and tulpas and things like that things oh, that yeah. we're, we're putting out with our own energy and i'm sure that that probably plays a part in what you do too where you know sometimes maybe people are putting out the vibe that even though they don't realize it, they're almost welcoming these things to come in and attach to them they they think that they're that they're safe or they think that they're living a good life, but they're not realizing that just their day-to-day existence makes them attractive for something to come and feed off of.
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, that's exactly how that works. And, and I I did a case not too long ago where um, um, the, the, the lady, she actually seemed to enjoy being a victim. And it's like, you know, I can help you when you're ready for help, but, You actually enjoy this, you know, when,
0: when you want to be the center of attention one way or another, good or bad.
2: Exactly. So I said, you're you're looking for it and you're you're opening yourself up for it and you seem excited by it. But then when something really, really bad happens, then, oh, you know, but at the same time, she still enjoyed it. She she had that victim victim like mentality. And those are the hardest ones to treat when they, they, they just like, they, like I said, a victim like mentality. And they, they seem to enjoy it almost sometimes it's attention. And just sometimes it's just because they're used to being a victim. So if I can get them out of that mentality, you know, and and it's hard because those people with that, um, that are used to being the victim usually have a troubled past, you know, and so you have to really dig deep, um, a lot of times. And, and so it can be difficult. I, I, did it, I don't know if, if – uh, yeah, anyways. Let, let me know if, uh, if, if uh, you need to take a break or whatever. But anyway. Well, I actually, did, uh, I,
0: I, I made the decision because uh, I was so interested in what you were saying. I totally blow through, blew through our network news. So, uh, but I do have to fire off the legal ID. So we'll do okay. that. We'll be back in 10 seconds. All right. Now we're all legal. Uh, one thing that we will do in just a few moments, we're going to check in with uh, with Kevin Raper, and uh, and Shane, we'll keep you on as well for that, too. Uh, we're just going to find out about the new project that they have with our Gary Patterson's work. Our uh, Gary Patterson was a, a good friend of the show who passed away a few months ago, so they have a new project. We're going to find out a little bit more about that. But I want to find out a little bit more with you, Shane, about does this have an effect doing this work? I can imagine you probably protect yourself as much as you can but it still must weigh on you emotionally and, and psychically and, and maybe even physically
2: um, not really no. only only yeah and, and that, the reason for that is I have to put myself in a certain state to keep myself safe so i don't have to do any type of protection or nothing like that it's it's i think the understanding that i have and i'm really strong in my, in what i believe allows these things and attracts these things so it's it literally um i've i never get affected at all i mean i've been in cases where people have been everyone's been touched or, or bumped or whatever and i end up chasing these things around you know and they, they move away from me and um and i and i just think it's it's almost like they they know I have a pretty good handle of, of what makes them tick and 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 I don't say that with any ego whatsoever I just um but I I have not been affected ever ever, ever. and I, and and I feel strong that my understanding disallows any any type of uh, attack on myself and 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 it works so
0: see and that's the way that I've always kind of gone into things too where I've I've felt that nothing can follow me nothing's coming into my house you belong here. You stay here, and I, so I don't get wrapped up in protection prayers and you know all that kind of stuff. But there, there have been little instances sometimes where things have reached out to me. Uh, one time, actually, in my home, but also you know at other other locations that I've been to, entities that belong like for example, there's there's something at the Lizzie Borden house that is very dark and doesn't like me, and it's actually communicated with me when I'm in other places, just to kind of show me that it can. So mm. there, there's enough there for me to say, okay, I I understand why people need to be protecting themselves from it, but I also just I don't know if it's just my my approach and my attitude, but I I go into things feeling like it's okay because when I leave here, it's all staying behind me,
2: right? Yeah, and that's that we have to be that way, and it's the ones that that are afraid of something falling them home. You know, they're broadcasting that emotion, and and that's that's another thing I was thinking about. It's like how come. Out of this this whole group that went in there um, to this case before me, the, the you know I, I might have gone in to help this group because they got into trouble and they couldn't help the client, but there was one person that had a detachment that followed them home and they le- legit had things happening in their house. And so, what made that person different than every other group member that didn't have something followed them home? And when I interview them and I did get get down deep. That person was ab- absolutely afraid. Even if it, they didn't show it, they still were. So that um, that emotion is picked up. That, that that's why I really believe frequency has a lot to do with this because they're picking up on an emotional frequency, and um, and that's how it knows who to jump on.
0: And it doesn't really. it doesn't have to be an overwhelming sense of fear either, right? It it doesn't have to be uh, where you know I've got to get out of here. I've got to, it could just be like in the moment one little glimpse of, okay, this doesn't feel right. Is, is that just enough for them to grab onto?
2: Yeah, they, that definitely gets their attention, you know, and um, you know, the, the the also the attention that uh, we give them is huge, too. Um, you know, all, all the cases that I do, these people just can't shut it off when they get home, and that's, it's not it's not going to go away. I mean, you when you know, you're giving something attention, you're actually giving it energy, and, and that's what these things thrive on. I mean, really.
0: Maybe, maybe that's why I've been okay is because I have such a terrible short-term memory that by the time I get home, I'm like, I don't even remember where I was tonight. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that helps. Well, why don't we check in very quickly? Uh, we'll, we'll connect here with Kevin, and I'm going to see if I can just keep you guys on together. Uh, we don't really do a lot of uh, multiple Skype stuff here, so let's see if we can bring him on. We might hear a little ringing happening. looks like it's connecting now we'll see if we can i feel like i should have had a webcam i mean i do have a webcam so you can see but these both these guys are on camera matt we totally you said before the show like oh we we didn't check to see if anybody was going to have a camera that we could have brought them on and they both have webcams because we have the capability yeah. and they're they're, they're both good <laughs> i love guys. technology they're way better looking yeah. than me so <laughs> we should have had them on so uh hello kevin thanks for joining us at least for a bit here tonight How's it going? Right, we're doing well. Uh, we're spooktacular, as we like to say. And, and you're here with our guest, uh, Shane Searway, as well. And we wanted, to touch base, we wanted to touch base with you because uh, you let us know about, uh, of course, you are the son-in-law of, of the late R. Gary Patterson, a, a great friend of the show. And uh, you're, you found a way to help keep his memory and his work alive.
3: Yeah, we've been working on the book. Um, he actually started it before he passed away, and my wife, uh, she couldn't be on tonight, but it, it's his only daughter, and we actually were able to get in touch with Mike Dawson, who was producing the book, and we were able to let him basically finish it because she she kind of inherited the rights to everything. Uh-huh. Um, it went live on Audible uh, about a week and a half ago. It's uh, doing fairly uh, you know fairly well because I mean we haven't been able to promo. This is the you you guys are actually the first ones to get any of the promos. Oh, wow. Get any access to it. I mean, you all were the ones that he talked about a lot, so we we sent it to you guys first.
0: Well, thank you. We are honored by that, and I, I have had a chance to listen to some of it, and it is great. I mean, it's it's the words that Gary wrote, but expressed in a way that take a creepy story that has base, you know, a true story, but it is creepy nonetheless, and then find a way to even amp that up by somebody taking that story and telling it to you orally, i mean and that's the thing that i was the most worried about is that gary was such a great storyteller that how could you keep with the same tradition that he built in sharing these stories and i think that this this audiobook version of it does a a great way of doing that
3: well in in mike and gary spent hours on skype and on the phone mike mike said they would literally spend two and three four hour sessions where he would read him a chapter and read how he wanted to do it, and then Gary would put a spin on it and, and tell him even more stuff that's not even in the book. So, I mean, the book is a little over nine and a half hours, and you can easily sit down and, and read the book in a, about a three or four hour sitting. It's just he extrapolates so much of every story. It's so far in depth.
0: And one one of my favorite parts about Gary's stories is the fact that, He had such a reverence for the people that were sharing these stories and -hmm. and the people that were were the subject to these stories, and it still even carries through now, and that's something that I think could have easily been lost if it wasn't somebody that was working directly with him. You had Mm -hmm. to understand his passion for these topics uh, to to talk about these rock and roll legends and curses to -hmm. be able to really convey that to the audience.
3: Oh yeah. When, and one of the funniest stories that Mike told me about the book was uh when he was on Skype with Gary back when they first got started, they were talking about the Robert Johnson chapter and Gary was literally showing him his jars of dirt from the crossroads with Robert Johnson's things. And Michael's like, That's the creepiest is like I'm glad we were on video because if I was in the room I would have left. Yeah. But he, he was he was telling him a story using the props from the book.
0: And and uh of course was there there must have also been though some some trepidation after Gary's passing to say you know what should we do here how is the best way to keep this going I'm sure there was a lot of discussion about whether or not you wanted to see this project continue or was it just automatically like we have to make sure that we finish this
3: Oh it was yeah it was a no brainer yeah. we were we were trying to find out Mike reached out to us and it was we knew he was working on it but we had no idea who Mike was and we were able to basically <laughs> this is what's kind of funny is uh, Chris Jericho is actually the person that put us all in touch Okay. Because Gary interviewed Chris, and then mike's Mike had the first five chapters done, and was like, "I really really want to finish this," but he had to put it on hold and within the past month, he hammered out the last half of the book because it was all on a legal hold until we could we could you know say that my wife had inherited the rights because he had no idea what to do. But we, he immediately just started hammering it out. He worked tirelessly. I mean, I, we think it sounds great. And at the, the very end of it, has got a, a, a dedication section to uh, talk about Gary's life and then turns around and he dedicates it to his only granddaughter, Sydney.
0: And, uh, well, I mean, and nobody appreciates rock and roll and the paranormal as much as Chris Jericho, too. So it's uh, really cool that he got involved in, in that as well. Is he going to contribute at all to the audiobook project in, um, in terms I, of like any kind of a audio forward or anything? Well, we've already got it
3: published, like it's already online on Audible, but um, I've sent everything to Fozzie, and then he's supposed to be writing something back for us.
0: Excellent. Yeah, well, so you mentioned it is on Audible, so if people want to get it, they can just go there right. and, and find it and, and download it, and I've, I've never really done uh, audiobooks through Audible, but everybody tells me that it's so easy to do, and it's, it just puts it right on your phone, and wherever you are, you can just connect and listen.
3: Well, and if you – there's a thing going with Audible. We we have two or three different ways you can find us. We're on Twitter. Um, It's just at Book, and that's where you can find – if you tweet a lot, you can hop on there, chase it down, and just basically link straight through the Twitter account to the Audible. And then if if you join Audible, you can – you get so many books for free just for joining. I'm not sure how many, but you can download it as a free book also. So, I mean, effectively, if you just want to check it out, you can join Audible, download it, cancel Audible, and you still get to keep
0: the book. Excellent. Well, uh, we definitely want people to check it out, and and of course, with uh, with all the great stories that Gary shared with us over the years, it's great that they can live on. And that that was that was what Chris Balzano and I were most worried about when Gary passed. Is you know we we need to find a way to keep his work going and to keep what he did going because it touches a lot of people, but it also meant so much to him. And oh, absolutely so i can only imagine that every time somebody downs, downloads this and starts listening to it you know somewhere gary's kind of watching over them and smiling and laughing hysterically <laughs> he's a, he's like well i guess we finally figured out that technology
3: All yeah right. he was he he was a character when it comes to things like that
0: well, thank you so much for joining us and for keeping us up to date with everything. And, uh, and of course, somewhere down the line we want to have uh, yourself and your wife come on with us and, and we can talk more about Gary's legacy and, and how you plan to keep it alive. Sure, not a problem. Just let us know. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a great night. You too. That is uh, Kevin Raper. And, again, you can check out dark, well, it was darksidebook.com and also through Audible if you want to be able to check that out. You can download it, listen to it. As you said, you, know, you can download it cancel the audible if you want and keep the book but uh, of course there's so many great audiobooks out there i just i've never been an audiobook guy myself uh i don't know shane if you have ever you know i'm sure driving around doing all the cases that you do it's beneficial to have something like that
2: yeah no i I don't do either i I don't know but i I think they're great i think i'm on one of them on on an audio book (laughs) but no i i don't i've never listened to one
0: I don't know why I don't do it though, because I listen to podcasts, I listen to old time radio shows, like all these things. It's it's pretty much the same idea of, of listening to an audio book. I just have never really gotten into it, but I'll definitely be doing it with uh, with Gary's book because I've heard just some of it already, and it's and it's great stuff. Awesome. So uh, we were talking uh, before about your own personal way of taking on these cases and 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 how uh, you know you're saying that they don't really kind of affect you at all. But also, it must affect you in some degree to have to deal with the people. To, there's got to be some times when you have to say, all right, I don't know how much more I can take of dealing with people that just don't listen, that don't uh, follow my advice. I'm sure you've probably had some repeat customers. Even though you were able to get rid of these things, you've probably had people that have kind of come back to you and said, it happened again.
2: Um, no. Really? No yeah all all the cases i've done um once you know i've maybe up to tops of like three visits three or four visits um i i'm able to kind of get through to them get them on board with what i'm what what the plan is and it's worked every time only once recently i had a guy who um who who was so set in 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 thinking that we had to go there and do this big like he i'm part native american and um, mostly french but native american too he was na- part native american and he he wanted this whole big like native american like smudging thing going on he had already gone through like a pound of sage or something himself and and it, and it just he continued to get worse hmm. um he was he was convinced that things were you know going on there i went there i, I never felt anything um this guy also too was a, a cancer patient um who, who was struggling with that but at first seemed nice enough guy but i was told by other groups that try to help him who put me in line, in touch with him uh that he he becomes belligerent and he, he you know all this other stuff he called he called this uh um, woman investigator who was also i guess a medium or whatever he he insulted her really really bad um he kicked other people out of there out of his house and and stuff like that so when i went there you know i didn't sense anything in that home whatsoever um i did sense that he was troubled and um but he really believed this i know he really believed that something was going on in this house i never felt anything i'm i'm pretty strong where i don't think there was but i was going to give him the benefit of the doubt and go through the process anyway but he he just he wouldn't listen he goes oh yeah but i am a positive person i'm like you know I'm as positive as I can be, and he wasn't. He was a—he was an angry person. I, I, he picked up a phone when someone called. and He was just irate and angry to everybody, and um, hearing the stories of how he treated other investigators, and and um, also him, um, you know, calling leaving voicemails in the middle of the night, telling me that all this other stuff is going on, and I need to get back down there, and all this other—I mean, he just—he uh, was an angry person. He didn't want to admit that he was, and he was part of the problem. Um, and so we weren 't going to be able to work together basically i mean um i I definitely could have fixed this problem i really don 't believe there was a problem other than um him himself and and um and then he told here 's another thing he goes. Because I said you got to take your mind off off the the situation too. You can't be thinking about what's going to happen next. You can't be watching the shows. You got to you know go on a different path and, and stop thinking about this stuff. Oh no, I don't I don't think about this stuff at all. You know, and I, I don't I don't watch the shows or anything else like that. My next visit, he went on and on and on about all these paranormal shows that he had binge watched. You know, so it's like like a, you know like like another uh, guy I had. He goes, oh yeah, I don't I don't watch the shows. I don't do nothing. I go into his room and there's a. There's like a two inch thick book about demons, you know, on his uh, night dresser, and, you know. So, um, like I said, we are participants in this and he, he just wasn't, uh, w- this guy was just really strong headed and he, he just wasn't going to, going to listen to me. He, he thought he was fine. And everything he wasn't doing anything wrong, but he was his own worst enemy. So, um, you know, he's somebody I could have helped, but he, I just cut him off and, and I just said, you know, I, you know I'm wasting my time with you you know you don't I don't think you want help I think you th- that was uh the other thing was um you know him uh, on disability um and he was young enough to work he was older than me but but uh didn't work because of his, his cancer and everything else like that um but he just uh I think he was just a really bored angry person and he just needed people around and you know, um, we hit it off at first, and he, he just wanted me there all the time to hang out with them, and you know, and stuff. And it was just, you well, know,
0: we always talk about that how that can happen with the people who are seeking paranormal help. You know, the ones who are reaching out to teams and saying, "I think I have something in my house," and and we always worry about the ones that are attention getters, and and that's yeah. what their whole purpose is. But I think that also happens with some of these paranormal research groups and investigators too, where they're coming in and they're just trying to. You know, make themselves look good or make themselves feel good, and, and maybe it's a maybe maybe they're faking it, but maybe they're not. Maybe they're just wrong about their abilities or what have you. But it seems like there's a, a good chance that investigators can come in and almost attach something onto somebody by doing things the wrong way or by doing things for the wrong reasons. That they can kind of come in and conjure up this this negativity and then leave it behind when they when they go home.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't tell you <laughs> how many times, it's been quite a few times where I've gone in um, after, and I'm, I'm talking to some very well-known, famous, if you will, um, investigators um, and and demonologists and stuff like that who went in there and um, did just that. And a lot of times, they because they want the evidence, they want this, they want that. The other thing they want, that they, um, they spend so much time on evidence, evidence. Evidence is great. But here's what I don't like to do when I'm in there to help somebody who's actually being attacked. Evidence is the last thing on my mind because if I'm give, trying to seek evidence, I'm also giving attention to this this entity and I'm giving it more power. So I don't even focus it when, it when somebody's really being attacked hard. If we're just talking about an active home and they just want they just want evidence and that's why I'm there, then, yeah, let's do that. Right. Um, but I'll do it in a safe way or if I go into a place where no one lives, which – I, I rarely do I'm, I'm usually you know working with people but um you know i don't i don't do that and, and what a lot of these groups do is because they, they want something to make themselves famous or popular you know or whatever so they go in there and then they they focus on nothing but the attention sometimes they even you know because they don't have a, a, a proper understanding or or they they lack a, a you know a proper understanding of what's actually going down they're, they're missing other mechanics they're missing other things that it could be because they don't have a full you know spectrum of information or whatever um so if they can't explain it then it's got to be a demon so they tell the people oh you got a demon you know you got many demons and you know what that does to the person living in that home it it's like whoa, you know you just you just multiplied right. their fear level it just it made things worse and and so i've gone in after so many Groups that have done that, and and, um, and and I just I don't understand when you tell people that you can help them, and you don't have a full, you know, understanding of everything that to explain it away, it could be other things. And I, and I could tell you a story um, that happened in Bridgeport, Connecticut, um, and but you know you're going in there if you're telling them you can help them, you you have to be able to understand and um, diagnose so many other things. Because and if you if you if if you go in there and you don't know what's going on, you can't just go right to the demon theory. Um, you have to say I just don't know, and 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 reach out to somebody else, you know. Because uh, you just can't throw a you know a statement out like that to these homeowners that are already probably traumatized. You know, you're just making it worse. So. Um, but they
0: do they th- they throw that word out so easily, especially if you know especially if there 's a camera there and they 're filming it to put up on their YouTube page. you know that word gets thrown away thrown around so easily, and people don 't take into the uh, account the possibility that sometimes like there 's just bad things that go on there 's bad there 's bad elemental energies there 's bad people who have passed on and are staying behind it. Not everything that seems scary or negative is is demonic
2: no no, I mean. There was um, a book, um, "Haunted House Diaries" by William Hall, um, who I uh, was a part, a big part of that book and the investigation that that happens in that book. And I also wrote some things that uh, that are in that book. But um, it, uh, this lady in Bridgeport, Connecticut, read um, this book and said, "Hey, you know, well, I need." So she contacted William Hall and says, "You know, I got this house and I haven't nobody's lived there for two years." But it's evil. It's absolutely evil. And she had other groups. Um, one well-known group from, um, you know, that area and stuff like that. Who are, are they're disbanded now. And it, they, the reason is for this, because of this case. Um, now they, um, she reached out to these these guys and they went in there. And I think there was like two married couples or something like that. And then there was other individuals. Um, they they set up shop for like two weeks, and they investigated this home. From what I'm being told. Um, and they they said that there was you know it was really evil there was demons there um, their evidence that they posted on YouTube I I, I viewed it, it none of it was real um, it was it was a lot of just dust floating around in the basement um, I even showed Bill Hall when I got there with the camera I said this is what they captured when he first saw it on, on the view uh, the the view screen on the back of my camera he's like oh, oh look at that and I'm like no no now look outside look outside in in and, and You saw the dust floating in front of the lens, and that's what they got. And I know there are, you know, real orbs and stuff like that, but these were definitely not what they were capturing. Um, Also, a bang when they were in the basement. They had a video going on There was a bang upstairs. Um, I recreated that. It was the screen door. Somebody had come in or or opened the door or whatever um, and slammed it, and that it was identical. So their evidence was nothing, um, but they were absolutely convinced that, they got to a state where they were all so just afraid and they they also started fighting with each other and they blamed it on the demon putting them against each other and stuff like that um they they the two married couples actually ended up divorcing from what i'm told the group disbanded their website got brought down um and this is a group that had been around for a while and they blamed this case for destroying everything so um finally she reached out to william hall bill hall asked me you know you you know you got to do this with me so i said sure We went down there, um, and I did uh, one visit. We spent a lot of time there and then I went down again and did it again just to, you know, just to confirm what I was, what I was, um, diagnosing. So what I found was the home, oh, there was no electricity to the home. It was shut off at the, at the, um, the meter box outside. So no electricity inside the home, but yet there was huge amounts of EMF in the kitchen, um, and in the basement below the kitchen, which is, um, what they were calling like the, the dark evil, uh, the dark corner of hell mm. in the basement. Um, now the, 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 the lady's husband that lived there, he, he owned the house before he married her. He had a previous, ma- uh, wife who and they ended up getting divorced because this guy, I guess, was abusive and stuff like that. He remarried this lady. He would get violent, like just full of rage and hostile and stuff like that. Her, his son did the same thing he ended up destroying the whole down finished basement downstairs with a sledgehammer he would get angry for no reason they would leave the home and they would both be just charming and wonderful people they get back to the house and within a half hour they were just full of rage and they blamed it on demons um now so when <clears throat> when i walked in there and, and i could i could really sense that there was emf in this home so i with my meter i i, I Huge, huge in the kitchen, huge spikes, sometimes almost maxing out my meter. Um, but most of the time, even the prolonged level is not healthy for us at all. Um, anything over, you know, 25 on my meter is not good. But this was – there were, it was usually like around 75 and things like that. So down in the basement, same thing. Um, I end up seeing an access panel because I knew what I was going to be looking for. If the power shut up to the house, I don't believe there's an entity in this home because I didn't – counter one on both visits then i'm going to go to um where the the grounding rod cable comes into the home and attaches to the plumbing so you know you you may know this but maybe some of the listeners don't um our homes have a grounding rod that goes into the ground and attaches to the plumbing and the utility so if it gets hit by lightning it, it gets it goes out through that grounding rod into the ground um now they sometimes can have a, a EMF feeding back into them, even when the power's turned off, through like maybe a faulty transformer that's nearby. But in this this case, there was also a business in the back. It could have been coming from that, but something was faulty either with the transformer or some other uh, home or business where it was back feeding through the grounding rod into their house, into their plumbing, and right in that dark corner bell, and right above that was the kitchen, um, and those were the hot spots. That's where everyone got angry. That's where everyone you know had issues um in those areas so i I explained that to to, to the lady you know and um he said yeah yeah but the other group said there was a demon i'm like i said i said you know what and i'm not saying that at one point you didn't because of the the negativity that was happening inside the home you just very well may have had an enemy at you know when you were living here because of the emotional state of of your husband and everything else like that and then you, you being under stress from the way he was treating you but i said there's nothing there now and um and and i don't think there was anything here when the other group was here either i think they reacted to these strong levels of emf because these strong levels the emf will cause you to see shadowy movements in your peripheral through prolonged exposure to emf you'll start seeing hues like sh- sh- shadowy figures in front of you that you absolutely think that are some kind of entity um it it messes up the firing between your eyes and your brain um and now also it, it also um kills our immune system it can cause our cells to mutate and cause cancer or tumors now her husband had rare form of cancer he developed in this home you know while he was living there and he died he died from it and i believe the home killed him and so i told i told the lady i said and not to be you you know i really think that this house had everything to do with your husband becoming sick and and, I, and she goes, well, actually, she goes, I developed the same tumors, but mine weren't cancerous. She goes, and it's it, it's such a rare form of cancer. She goes, but I, I had those same tumors, but mine weren't cancerous. His was, and, and he succumbed to them. Um, and and I said, so, you know, how many meds were you on when you lived here? She goes, I was on 12. I said, how many are you on now that you, you're you not living here anymore? She goes, I'm not on any. She goes, I hey, once in a while, I'll take a Motrin or an Advil. And she goes, and I never felt—I haven't felt this good in a while. I said, "That's my point. This is a sick home. It, it's, it, there's no demon here. It's—it's. It's, you need an electrical engineer, and you need someone to come in here and fix it. I actually know how to fix that problem, um, but you know, I'm not gonna go about doing that, you know, because insurance reasons funny. and all
0: that stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> so, but but you know, so for like just like you said, and that's what I was getting at was. When we go into the home and we tell people we can help them, if we can't, if we don't have an explanation of what's going on, we can't just jump to demon. Um, so I like to have an understanding. I mean, I own my own remodeling company. I'm a licensed pipe fitter as well. I know about plumbing. I know about electrical. I and, and I, I also have a background in human services and psychology. So um, and I only reason why I have all this background is I did this on purpose so I would I would be well rounded and I'd be able to help people with any different. You know, explanation of what's going on in their home, you know, because the paranormal is number one to me. So if I'm going to go into people's homes, I want to make sure I had the experience in all different aspects, you know.
0: Well, and also the paranormal doesn't pay, so to have uh, <laughs> knowledge of things that do, it's like it, it kind of, you know, kind of it works helps. out pretty well though. Yeah. Is there is there ever been a case that um, you know you talked about your your success rate with this, but has there ever been a case that really took kind of even more work than usual was there anything that was ever just the one that you thought hey, if ever I was gonna have one that I didn't succeed on, this would be the one um.
2: <sighs> you know, I mean it, if if I'm trying to think there's never been one that um well there's never one never been one that wasn't you know pretty pretty simple um there was one recently that was a little bit more challenging and so um but it, it's still something that I, I, I fixed with two visits um but based on um all the components that w- was taking place i that's exactly how i felt i'm like well maybe this is going to be a little harder than usual and and i'll tell you what happened was um, where i live in southern new hampshire um there were some of my Business cards are around or, you know, some people kind of know me. Plus my, my vehicle is lettered with my, you know, my paranormal research, my trueghost.com and all that. So everyone, you know, they, they know who I am and everything and what I do and small town and whatnot. So, um, somebody saw, grab one of my business cards out of a, a pizza shop that, that had just moved into the area. And the reason for that was that they owned another home in northern Massachusetts that they had to flee because. It was. They had things going on there. A lot of objects moving. Uh, door slamming. Uh, you know, their ceiling fan spinning by itself constantly. Um, they were seeing things outside, climbing trees in the woods, um, and uh, also affecting. They said, you know, affecting their marriage. But when it ripped their son out of bed, he was like, I think they said he was like four years old. They hear thump thump, you know, and then he starts crying. They run in there. He's on the floor. And he said, "The man with the red face pulled me out of bed he said the the kid said he saw a red face rise up from the foot of his bed and and pull him down and um and th- he they looked down he actually had red handprints on his ankles and bruising the next day um and <clears throat> so they moved out of the home um oh but not before having um they brought in." Uh, a group that had a television show where i don't know if they still do uh, but a long-running television show who had like associate uh an associate group of theirs they sent over um that was very ineffective um then they had uh, another um person that that's famous or whatever because they didn't know where else to reach so they they were looking at tv and right well yeah. they, they knew you know nowhere else to turn so they they found this other Group, though, which everyone would know who who it was, but that that group came down. Uh, the individual who had a group, and um, and that didn't really work. And then they reached out to um, a demonologist that um, a lot of people might n- know who he is, um, and. Um, so they went there and they said it actually was effective. It it, it did a good job. Um, I think it was like three or four weeks or something like that where it was pretty quiet. And, and I said, but it came back and it came back with a vengeance, right? They said, absolutely. They said it it was worse than ever when it came back. It was just all of a sudden, just boom, you know, full force out of nowhere. There was no buildup. It just came back like full force. And and the reason for it was that process didn't have a long, um, you know, lasting effect on them as individuals. It didn't. It didn't fix the the problems that initiated that that interaction to begin with. Um, it did enough to make them feel they felt confident in the in the person uh, doing what they did because the person it, it does a good job of selling that process. But they they didn't treat the initial problems with the people, um, so therefore the problem returned. And um, so. Basically, um, so they left the house after the kid. That was enough. So we're we're out of here. So now they have two mortgages, um, which was causing even more issues with them. But they said now, now they got things happening in their their new home too. Once in a while, but they were blaming everything. So a box fell off the shelf and hit hit the guy on the shoulder. Well, it must have been them again. You know, you know. But uh, that's what happens to people. They they blame everything on it when it's going on. Um, they can't get out of their head. Like I said, internal dialogue has a lot to do with that, that, that attention. So um, so normally when I when I fix a home, I fix the people. I treat the people, but the people aren't living in this home. So now I have to do both because it's, if, if it is affecting both houses um, – and here's another thing too. These parasites will cling if they do stay in a home that nobody has lived in that people aren't living in and there still is a parasite there because normally the parasite will leave and they'll follow the person that they were haunting or they'll find food somewhere else basically um but if the home if the parasite is still in a vacant home it's feeding off of a traumatic or dramatic event that may have happened on that property um and and so we find that all the time but so it's it's very rare for the parasites to stick around in a home that's vacant so i had a look at a lot of things that was going on I could sense that there was a big uh, marital issue with the, with this couple I could I could just see the body language between the two of them even though they were trying to hide it from me they didn't, I tried to like loosely like simulate them to open up about those things but they they were uncomfortable so we didn't, I didn't push the issue so um, it was going to be hard to treat them because I knew that was a big part of it, um, so I had to t- talk in general, you know generalization and um so, but now how am I gonna, how am I gonna treat the other home that they're not living in? So, um, basically what, what started this haunt was the guy had moved in, the lady who owned the house previously, this guy who I, I noticed had a real quirky, he was a nice guy, real, but quirky, paranoid, like personality. And like I said, those are the worst, especially if they get, they become obsessed or interested in the paranormal and they can't shut it off up here because that's how their brain works and they're always like, ugh, you know. And that's how he was. He was the one that had the book of demons on his on his nightstand when he you know, he told me he doesn't watch the shows, he doesn't he doesn't have an interest. I walk into his room and there's a dean a book naming all the demons, it's like two inches thick and and so um so I knew there was something more going on. So I questioned him on that and he goes, Well yeah, you know, well I'm kinda interested because when I did move in with her He goes, I started seeing uh, Native American-looking things in in other creatures like crawling in the trees. He goes, but I could see Native Americans like running through the the bushes and stuff and on the edge of the properties. And and so he became obsessed. He started doing his own investigation outside. He'd stay up all night, you know, outside with cameras, and and, uh, he would see things, and then he couldn't shut it off from his head. And and so when he was feeding it so much attention, then a parasite showed up because there was already – marital issues going on his attention to the subject um was unhealthy because he had a paranoid personality so it wasn't the native americans that were causing him negative um, um stuff going on in his home it was a new parasite that was invited in by what he was doing that he shouldn't have been doing and uh-huh. what he was what he was giving to the situation so um so when i my first visit there was just to kind of feel it out and and come up with a game plan and the second visit was i was there three times but i only actually did anything three uh two times the second visit was a kid that contacted me that wanted me to mentor him and i i spent a lot of time talking to him first um making making sure that he was a bright character and, and he wasn't gonna be into trouble and he, he seemed like a great kid and so we went there and um he, you know we walked in there and he, he started to say well I, I can definitely feel something in here you know and I said, do you think that's bad? Wait till you go in the master bath. Because that, when I was here before, that thing was hiding from me in the master bath. And so we walked in the room and I told him, I said, just be, you know, I, I want you safe. So I said, just stand over, over there, you know. And so he stood over on the other side, the far end of the the bath. And, and the door was open just a little bit. And so I went over to the door. I was going to finish. I was going to open it up the rest of the way. And I was reaching out to it. And the door just flies open. Bang, slams up against the 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 wood paneling, the shears just fly up to the ceiling, and then you feel like just this this rush run right by us, and then the the door to the um the uh, bedroom slammed shut behind you know lock you know with us in the room, so it was shutting it shutting us in basically. Um, It didn't didn't want a part of us, and um, so you know there there definitely was things going on here. I I felt this thing too. It was it was really really strong, so. but now how are we going to get rid of it? So what I did was – and normally, like I said, I manipulate uh, the mechanics um, in, in emotional uh, frequencies with the people and, and stuff like that while they're not living here. I did that anyways with them in their home, but I also had to do something here. So what I did was I employed the um, the Native American uh, that that were, were there in their own place and time. They're, they're living their life, you know, and there was a strong body of water, which – uh, we find really what we call par- paranormal flap areas where um a lot of people call residual hauntings i call parano uh, parallel world bleed overs or whatever and um and so i i basically i did a being part Native American and everything I did a, a ceremony to um get the Natives to to accept the home on oh because here 's a, a, a fact I should have mentioned um this it was a trailer. Home uh, trailer park. This was a double Y trailer, actually a really nice one too. Um, but on this property was um, it was a historical plaque for it and all all that. There was a blood a bloody battle between two tribes um, who wanted the land because it was good fishing and whatnot. And so there there was a, a, a drama, a dramatic occurrence that happened on this property. So I did um, I did a ceremony to get, gain acceptance of the home and the family. Um, and it, it took me like an hour and a half, two hours. It was not something that was just short, um, and it was all done in, in traditional way. And, um, when I was done and it was just like, you know, the, the TV shows, it was like a dimmer switch was just slowly turned up and the house just got brighter and brighter and brighter. And I, I, um, I, I called the guy who was waiting at a diner. He, I think he stopped at a diner. I told him I didn't want him. This is the guy that owned the house. Um, and I said, you know, I just don't come here until I'm done. I'll let you know. And, and so I called him and he walked in. And he's like, oh, my God. He goes, this house has never felt like this. He goes, it feels so good in here. He goes, it smells good. And, <laughs> and uh, now they had tried to, to rent or sell it um, the whole the whole time. And um, and and so every time somebody was interested in it, something happened it would fall through. They even had a blind lady that was led through the home. She was legally blind. And um, she said she didn't want to live there because it was too dark. And so, but after I did everything, within five days they had all kinds of offers on the house. And then a guy that wanted to rent it, they decided to rent it, and he he lives there problem free with no issues at all. Um, there's a, a couple of neighbors though that ha- are having issues now, but you know, um, and I'm just being told that by them. So nobody, they don't, they didn't know I was there, so they didn't know to reach out to me because um, this. Co- the couple didn't want anyone to know that we were doing this. So I, I, I went there at like three o'clock in the morning, you know, and did everything early, early. So while people were sleeping, um, so that, that was, um, that worked. Unfortunately, um, the couple divorced and, and, uh, they, they parted ways. And, and, um, so, um, but that was, that was long after probably like a year and a half, two years after I was done doing, you know, fixing the other house and but i I still think that um they were problem free at their home it's just their marital issues or whatever just you know got the best of them i guess so um
0: but but, but, i mean that can happen anyway i mean sometimes things just happen in life it doesn't mean that this stuff has any kind of impact and or even just dealing with the aftermath of it, or dealing with the the side effects of it can can have that effect on relationships uh there is a question from the uh professor eric in the chat room Uh, and you had mentioned having a a background in in psychology but he wants to know are you a a psychologist or a counselor uh as as part of what it is that you do
2: um no no i don't have a degree or nothing like that um i have uh, i've had positions where i had to in in, you know employ those um certain techniques and and that involved with um with psychology and, and stuff like that. And, um, I'm a student and I'm, um, of it, uh, but I don't have a degree. Um, but I have a, I believe I have a pretty good understanding. Um, and in, in, in any case where I don't have a good understanding, um, I'm never afraid to reach out to somebody that may have. And because my, the number one thing is, is, um, you know, the, the safety and, in, in the, of you know, my client. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, we, we did that once we, we reached out to, um, a well-known psych- psychologist that's in our network, uh, with a gentleman who got in trouble. The one I mentioned in Woonsocket that I, I brought down and he, who, who told me he was more experienced and, um, and Paul, you know, and I, we, we reached out to somebody that's in our network who's, who's a well-known psychologist and, um, to, to help him out because he, you know, us being close to him, uh, we needed somebody else involved that where he, he could take the word out, you know, um, yeah, so it's not just these two guys that he's known for a little while. It's now it's somebody else that with a degree and you know what I mean. So, um, te- but she told him the same thing we were telling him. And um, but so no, but no, I don't have a, a degree in psychology, but I'm a, I, I have a strength in it though I believe. And, and um, but you know, like I said, if we if someone needed just so, solely just a psychologist, then we'd hook them up with psychologists. I mean, but I just have to use techniques to get people. Um. To to be able to actually, I dealt with a psychologist. If you want to hear another story, uh, that was kind of a tough one. Sure. Um,
0: well, uh, just to, just before I forget to let you know, uh, Professor Eric said he is going to reach out to you on the number oh, that's excellent. that's on your site. So. Okay. Yeah, great. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to hear the story.
2: Yeah. So there was a, a case in um, in Massachusetts that. Um, let's see. Uh, Actually, Paulino, you know, I, fig- I forget how he got hooked up with this case. Um, but this lady, she was, herself was a psychologist, um, specializing in um, people who who were sexual predators and um, and stuff like that. She treated those people, um, and she had she was like a, she had all kinds of degrees. And I think she was going for her, uh, uh, I don't know, I, I forget. But anyways, no, she, but she she had all kinds of degrees in this in in this, but. So she believed that she had a demon in her house, and and someone was attacking her, and um, so she had. A, there was one group that went there. Oh, okay, there was a group down her way that went there. Um, they were trying to help her, but they realized they were over their heads. So uh, they were a fan of uh, Paul Eno's radio show. They they contacted him. He went there. He started to suggest to her what he he believed was going on. She became like irate like how dare you talk to me i'm a psychologist you know how dare you talk to me like that i'm not stupid and all this other stuff and he goes no i'm not trying to imply that he goes but i'm just sharing my experience and what i what i some of the flags i see here you know so um she she basically kicked him out of the house and and uh so he he called me and he's like he's like you know i i really think you can help her um but you know even though she was mean to me i i, I really think she needs help and and so um uh, you know i forget oh it was the, the group that originally she was helping they they got in touch with me and then i ended up going down there and i i was interviewing her and, and i knew after paul's experience i had to be kind of sneaky with my questions you know what i mean so um basically what happened i got her to spill a lot of stuff she was a she had a job in a, in a prison, and she was, uh, as a psychologist, um, I forget the exact uh, name of what she was doing, but but it was for sexual predators, and she was a psychologist, and she was working in this prison. Well, she ended up falling in love with one of these jerks, you know, and um, when he got out of prison, she moved him into her home. Now, she found, uh, after him living there for a little while, she found a satanic um, uh whole setup in Satanic Bible and 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 everything in the basement where he he was doing the, the satanic uh stuff rituals and everything so um that just oh my god she's like and she um she she brought it up to him or whatever and he he tried to make it like it was no big deal then he started to rape her all the time and 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 abuse her um and she found more satanic stuff so she ended up getting him removed she he was and you know so that she kicked him out But she believed that he put a curse on her. So now, every time a hawk showed up in our yard, she said it was it was because of him and it's a curse. And she she said they were seeing like a shadow guy walk down the stairs and and everything else like that. But 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 she only saw that a couple times. She refused to stop to go into her own bedroom anymore because that's where he used to rape her. Um, I went into that bedroom. She had writing all over the wall saying that um, I am a good mommy um my, the name of her son i don't remember we'll just say john john acts naughty because that's who he is it, it's not my fault i'm t- on every single wall there was writings like that just her telling herself that she's okay and it's everyone else that's wrong on her mirror was um uh what did it say hold on or get dragged or something like that in lipstick all over her mirror um there was just all kinds of crazy, crazy things. Reference to things attacking her, but mostly it was all about her son and, or her telling herself she's a good mom. And I'm like, this is not the behavior of a psychologist. I mean, this is somebody that needs a psychologist, you know. So um, now one of her biggest complaints was she was getting real bad migraines too, and she believed it was because of the demon and all this other stuff. So, uh, again, she had – she had looping going into her grounding rod, and and right where she slept now in her living room, was exactly where the um, the ground cable came in and attached to her plumbing, and that's where I was getting huge levels down there. And then, and when I told her this, she goes, "No, no, no." And I I put the EMF detector right where she laid her head, and it was it was like 175. You know, it was way up there. Um, so I I said, you know, and also this is causing your paranoia. Uh, it, it, I, I think she already had psychological issues, but I, I know it, this wasn't helping it because of what EMF will do to us. It can cause us, not all of us, it, it has different effects on us, you know, on different people, but this was certainly making her problem a lot worse. Um, so this is going to be a hard case. And, um, you know, what, what I did for her was I, I, she, she was a little reluctant with what I was saying at first, but she ended up opening up, um, because I, I i was able to um speak to her in, in a way and take a, the right kind of path that i thought i was going to need to take with her and and it worked she actually listened and she put down her defense and um she says okay well i'll try but you know what i found out was she was going to jail anyway so we lost contact i she went to jail because of uh, child neglect and um and also her home was uh being taken away from her too because she lost her job she got followed her license got revoked um uh, from practicing because of they found out that she moved this this um, inmate into her home and everything else like that then uh her her young children got um caught using drugs and you know like nasty drugs and there was something else too that she did but she um she ended up going to jail um so uh however where however she turned out i don't know but she she did open up towards the end and and i was hopeful you know uh, somewhat but um but i knew she was definitely going to be a a tough one i forgot about her (laughs) so yeah
0: i mean i I guess you i mean i know that you feel like you can take care of these problems but also like people have to want to have they have to want to be taken care of too if, yeah. if they're going to keep inviting it back in, you know, it's just it's just going to start a, a vicious cycle where, you know, you're constantly having to go back and helping because they just they're keeping themselves open and they're keeping themselves as basically food for these things.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, some of these, those people have victim like mentality, mm-hmm. and some of them like like the attention, and so you know, those are the people that are always going to fall victim to themselves and their own behavior so it's like you know what can you do for them um you you, you really can't but the people that really do want to help um it works you know every time the, the approach that that i've kind of pinned down you know um and you know I'm, and i'm lucky too because uh, some of this information came when i was 10 years old and i became sick and i i, I went through an experience where. Um, there was um information given to me during that process that i wouldn't have been able to dream up at a 10 of a 10 year old um it has and in in part of that information is what i what i use to help people um there's it's something that i don't hear from other people um and it's something that i would not have been able to you know just uh, you know make up in, in my own 10 year old mind um and it's something i didn't fully understand at the time either it was it wasn't until you know a little bit further down the line where the light bulb went off and said, Oh, okay. That's what that meant, you know? And, 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 and it works. And so, um, so it's not just, you know, I'm fortunate to have that information too. And, and, um, and just putting that process to identify trends too was very helpful. And I, I encourage everyone to do that, you know, to don't just look at the obvious. Don't just look at the subject, look outside, look outside of that, you know? Um, because you're going to find there's a lot more going on and a lot more components to the problem than you think there are. Um, there's, there's sometimes several things that can play into this, you know?
0: Well, we, we only have a few moments left in the show, but I have to ask, I can't just leave it there. I got to ask you what that, what that experience was when you were 10 years old as much of it as you think you can share with us.
2: Yeah. Um, basically I got sick and, um, and doctors really didn't know why. And, uh, and, I I won't get into too much detail about you know bad about family members, but basically I was um um in, in a I was put in a room and um and I couldn't eat or drink and it was that way for like a, a month and uh, and I got weaker and weaker to the point where I couldn't move I could you know I could talk I could move my eyes and turn my head and move my fingertips but that was it I couldn't get out of bed and, and do anything so thing but. Uh, things started to happen around me more and more like if I got hot the window would open up and the air would come blowing in the room and you know like when I could hear like a thunderstorm coming I'm like man I I wish I could feel some of that breeze and the window would open on its own Um, and then the same thing if I got cold it would shut but then um, one night I was achy you know your body when you're not eating your body's eating itself you know and and I, I was achy and uncomfortable and all of a sudden uh one night i just got i was totally like just calm and and everything felt great i felt like i was just part of everything around me and that's literally the best way i can explain i literally felt everything around me and and it felt good for the first time in a long time and then i noticed there's somebody at the foot of my bed like they're sitting on something but there was nothing for them to be sitting on but almost like like it was and um and this this guy says to me, he goes, don't worry, this is happening for a reason. He goes, you, we're trying to reach you through dreams, but that didn't work, so um, now this has to happen because you need to be brought here be, so you can help people because that's your, that's your purpose. And so um, now my, that reoccurring, uh, he said he was trying to reach me through dreams. Ever since I was little, I had a reoccurring dream almost every night that my family was camping at a campground, and there was this raging river that was really wide, and it was just going really fast, and over on the other side, there was um, people there, there was a campfire, and there's there's Native Americans, there's, um, you know, different people, walks of life, and different, you know, ages, and and they were waving me over, it was like they were celebrating that I was there, and they wanted me to go over there, and I wanted to go over there, and every time I did, my mother would grab me in my dream, and pull me into the camper and said, no, you can't, you can't go over there, you know, but I was like, but I wanted to, you know, and and so it, it was always disrupted. But, um, so I believe he was referring, cause he was one of the people that was in my dream on the other side, it, the one that was sitting by my bed, tell me all this. Um, and then, um, then he, he told me things, um, that I won't, I won't go into, uh, right now, but, um, the things that I, I've used to help, help people. I was given information. Um, so that night actually, um, my mother and stepfather came in, um, I actually watched uh, my stepfather pick me up and carry me down the stairs. And I was falling behind them and I could see myself and whatnot. Um, I wake back up in my body in, in the car then went and I pass out again. And then I, I follow them carrying me into the emergency room. I was behind them higher. I was probably like maybe 20 foot in the air and just kind of like going behind them at the same speed. Then I saw myself, um, Laying on on a, on, on the, the table in the, in the emergency room and I watched them around me, you know, and then, uh, then I wake back up in an elevator and, um, and that, then I, I remained, you know, that way the rest of the stay. But after being in ICU for a few, um, and then, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, like three or four days. And then, um, one night I was watching football and I was still really weak and sick. This nurse comes in and she sat by my my head and she was stroking my hair. And she's like, I miss doing this with my son. She goes, I used to watch this stuff with my son all the time and I really miss it. And and I ended up falling asleep, and um, which – I wanted to watch the game but I ended up she comforted me so much I ended up falling asleep and I woke up in the middle of the night because they used to come in my room with a flashlight to make sure I could wake up and check on me and stuff and so they did and I I said you know where's the other nurse she goes what other nurse and I and I explained you know her and and she goes no no honey she goes I'm 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 the only one on this floor tonight oh, she wow. goes uh yeah so and this lady she was dressed like a nurse but differently and the other kicker too was the the doctors never they ran all kinds of tests they never Oh, she told me, she goes, and before I fell asleep, she goes, don't worry, because now you're going to be okay. Everything's going to get better now. And so um, w- when, um, the, the, and then, like I said, the kicker was that the doctors ran all kinds of tests. They never knew what was wrong with me. They never found it out. They didn't know what was wrong with me. But when she said I was going to get better, I did. And I was, you know, I was in there for, I don't know, I don't, a couple weeks or something like that. But um, I ended up getting better and, and going home.
0: Well, and, and, and it puts you on the path that you're on now. How can people reach out to you if they if they need your services, if they want to talk to you and, and, and see if you can help them out?
2: Uh, com is my website, trueghos Um My email address is on there. My cell phone number is on there. And uh, feel free. I'm going to try to do better updating my appearances and stuff on there because I kind of stink at doing that. But uh, I'll try to get better about that too. But, uh, yeah, that's the best way to, to get me.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again in the future.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, man.
0: All right, and, and thanks to Paul for recommending that uh, that we reach out to you, too. It was perfect because, you know, this is a, a very under-understood under, under – that doesn't really make any sense. <laughs> but it's, it's a less understood aspect of what it is that, that, that goes on, so I'm glad that you could enlighten us a little bit.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I really appreciate it. All right.
0: Thank you so much, Shane. Thanks, man. Have a great night. That is uh, Shane Searway. And again, TrueGhost.com is his website. If you want to check him out, that does it for us for this week. Uh, we'll be off next week for our Bridgewater Triangle Mysterious Middleborough event. You can join us still. Uh, get your tickets at SpookySouthCoast.com if you want to join us next Saturday night. Until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, for Chris, for Ashley, for everybody, everybody that's not here tonight,
2: and then for myself and the Silent Assassin, we want you all to stay spooktacular.